Hello, 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 everyone. Today is Friday, May 15th, 2020. TGIF. That's right. Thank God it's Friday. Actually, I was seeing TGIF on yesterday to a couple people. (laughs) I guess I was definitely looking forward to this day. Well, this is Tawanda with Another Chance to Bridge the Gap. We're here daily talking about bridging the gap between people in prison with family, friends, people in the community, hot topics, things that's relevant, things that's actually going on, and anything that may be news that anyone could use to be able to help get to the next level in life. Today we have a special guest back on with us. You know, sometimes we just can't have one time. We got to come back over and over and over. Um, He is definitely a person we enjoyed talking to a few days ago, and I'm going to let him kind of share a little bit about who he is, his story, and then we're going to kind of get into what our topic is for today. Randy, are you on the call? I'm here, ready to go. All right, Randy, how are you doing on this fabulous Friday? I'm great. I'm 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 blessed, and and uh, it's a beautiful day. I'm out here in Chicago in the Loop, and uh, it's just a gorgeous day out. Okay, absolutely. Now, as we get started today, Randy, our topic is talking about life after COVID-19. However, before we start, I'd love for you to share a little bit of information for callers that didn't get to hear your story and kind of who you are. Um, uh, tell us a little about who you are, where you're from, and um, anything about yourself that you'd like to share. All right, I was born and raised in Chicago. I still live in Chicago with my two daughters, college daughters, and my wife. Um, I am an entrepreneur businessman. I uh, started my business career about 27 years ago uh, in the advertising agency field and um, uh, ended up, long story short, throughout my career, I had a very successful career and ended up incarcerated for some things that the government didn't think uh, were too legal, um, and I went through that experience, and it was a profound, life-changing experience as well. Uh, came out at the other end of it and uh, learned a bunch of great things. Um, still blessed to still have my family with me and my friends, um, and trying to utilize that experience and the experience I had prior to that to help causes like this um, and people understand a little bit of of what goes on with with family and inmates within in prisons when they're incarcerated. Um, So I've been out of the system of incarceration now for about uh, eight years. Um, I'm satisfied and and doing well, meaning that I think I've done a good job on a road to recovery. Uh, It's only been possible through, you know, applying what I've learned in in the process of being incarcerated and having a a close-knit family um, in love and putting things in perspective and, and really learning from, that experience and all my experiences. And, uh, you know, I, I hope that the little bit I, I talk about this process, somebody gets a little something out of it, a little bit of information, a little bit of inspiration, uh, something that may help them if, if they're in this process. So, uh, you know, I truly believe that I went through that um, situation or nightmare, as you call it, uh, to come out on the other side and do something with it and be a different person. So, uh, that's a little bit of who I am. Uh, uh, main thing is I'm happy. Uh, I, got, I have a great family and um, been working hard to make things even better. Absolutely. And thank you so much for sharing that. And just like you said, the last thing of being happy and having a family, having your daughters, having your wife and your support system. And really a lot of times in life, regardless of what we go through, 
when we're not going through it by ourselves, we have people who truly care about us, you can definitely come out on top. And and before I get started, let me just say this to you, Randy, as well. As I was saying before the call started, your energy is crazy amazing. <laughs> have you always been that way? You know, that's how I'm wired. I don't really hit the caffeine real hard. Uh, you know, some people are just wired that way. Um, and I've also been through some experiences that let me appreciate every day. I'm the kind of guy I don't use an alarm clock. I get up early. Uh, every day I don't have great days, but, you know, I'm able to put it in perspective pretty well. And, um, I, again, there's a lot of lessons that people go through in life, and they teach you certain things. And shame on you, shame on me, shame on everybody if you don't utilize those. So stay upbeat. Again, everybody goes through periods of hell in their life. And, and really, if you can really understand, and I had this conversation with my wife this morning, of, you, you, you know, you're walking this walk down this path, and no matter where you are on that path and what's happening on that path and how difficult it is that path and how dark it is and how much you don't see a light at the end of the path, you absolutely have to have faith and hope that, you know, higher power is leading you the right way. And where you stand right now is exactly where you're supposed to be. So quit questioning it, quit complaining about it, just keep walking down that path, keep walking down that hallway, and you, you've got to have faith that even though it's the darkest hallway or the darkest path, that you've got to have faith that you're going down that way for a better reason, for a better purpose. And when people start questioning that and doubting that and, and stop believing that that invisible hand is taking you down that for a reason, that's when you start getting doubting and fear and anxiety and depression and you, you can't look at it that way. You know, if we all knew that in 24 hours and three days and, and eight days that we were going to get everything we wanted in life or win the lottery or whatever it may be or get released from prison for some reason, how would you, how would you act? What would your mood be? Would you be complaining? Would you be bitching and moaning? Or would you be like, yeah, I'm ready to go, man. I'm packing my things. I'm getting ready to go on this great trip. So I look at it that way. I look at it that every minute where I sit, I'm moving through it. And it may not be the best moment that I'm moving through this process. And when I, when I feel myself stopping and, and standing still in that dark hallway and feeling sorry for myself, I'm like, what are you doing? Just keep going. Just, just keep moving forward, you know. I think when you give up on the higher powers in, in the universe or whomever you want to talk about, God is you, whatever, when you give up believing in that thing, that thing – might start giving up on you a little bit, but it's, it's a mental game. So uh, I, I stay upbeat, and um, that's who I am. And my 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 wife would like to throw me out of the house. <laughs> well, you know what? That's amazing, and your energy is amazing, and and I feed off of it. So thank you for that. And I, and I totally agree, and especially emphasizing. You said, "Hey, anything can happen in like three days from now if we stand in expectancy and we act as if." So, absolutely, we're going to jump right into it today. I have a few questions for you, and we're talking about life after COVID nineteen, and we're talking about that because since it's been the pandemic, since we've been practicing social distance, the world has changed a lot. You know, people talk about the new norm. You, you look on TV and you see people, like a lot of the shows we watch, some of them are recording from home because I didn't realize this. I thought they record shows like six months in advance, but I guess not. So things are definitely changing. So my first question to you, Randy, is when you first found out about the pandemic, I, where were you? What were your first thoughts? 
tell us about that initial finding out about this pandemic. Like, this thing is serious. Yeah, you know, I, I heard bits and pieces that I stay, you know, in tune to the news and, and, and watch all the sources that I think are important. And, you know, obviously I, I saw the news of it, um, and I paid attention a little bit more because both my daughters being in college, both of them were traveling abroad, and they weren't in this country. Um, so I had a little bit more concern. Um, and I really didn't take it that seriously at all. Um, my wife and I, neither one of us took it that serious. Um, you know, and, and I think we try to watch certain channels of media so we don't get slighted or lied to or, or fake news or whatever you want to call it. I think the first time that I, that I really thought it was serious was when uh, my daughter's schools, their universities, started sending out emails about getting the kids back into this country. And, um, again, I think it took something close to home like that for me to say, okay, maybe this is uh, more serious than we think. You know, you've got major universities researching this and following leads. So I, I think the first major thing was for me to understand that major major institutions, major universities, major corporations were starting to act in a very um, – taking very, very, very big steps and big measures to try to do things. And I think when you start seeing that, when you start changing major things like that, you know, like look at every every university, every college student that was studying abroad at that time in America was brought back. Uh, they stopped them in their tracks. I mean, they pulled kids out of uh, a schooling. They pulled kids out of vacations. They pulled kids out of all these things and made arrangements to get them back. So that's a pretty big step. And then, you know, more and more living in the city of Chicago, Everybody really wasn't following um, the lead in our mayor's recommendation. Quickly saw it escalate to where um, you started seeing more laws put, or not laws, but more recommendations put into effect. And little by little by little, you started seeing, you know, I could walk down the middle of Michigan Avenue and there wouldn't be a person there. Um, I can walk my dog, you know, in early evening in the middle of Michigan Avenue and not be a, a person there. So, it kind of got a little bit surreal, but I think that's when you realize it. And I think with everybody that I know, I think they know about it, but I think until it starts hitting home or it's a couple person removed from you, uh, you really don't start taking it seriously. And unfortunately, my daughter, um, a couple of my daughter, my both my daughters had people who have been, you know, severely um, affected by it in, in some depth. So, you know, she had some friends that were in Italy as well, and that really progressed a lot faster in Italy or, or, or sooner, earlier than America. And so we started watching that and, and watched how terrible it got. So we, um, you know, we pretty well knew a couple of weeks into it, it was serious. Not that it would last so long, but, you know, like anything, you try to use your common sense. And I think that's something throughout this whole issue, this whole problem, this epidemic is that, Common sense is a, is a big factor in a lot of this. And, and so, yeah, we, we learned about it, and, and I guess it really didn't get serious until, like I said, it starts hitting home with our kids. Um, so that's kind of how we it unfolded for us. Okay. That makes sense. And I think a lot of people can say the same thing. And really, I think this is around um, March when we actually started finding out about it here on the news. However, I really believe this really might have been around us even around Thanksgiving and Christmas. What are your thoughts about that? 
Yeah, you know, um, I, I have a, uh, a feeling that my one daughter did have this around um, November-ish um, when you look back at the illness she had and the symptoms. And um, I definitely do think it's been around a lot longer. But, you know, until we get a name, you know, until you put a name to it, until you put a process mm-hmm. around it and more than one or ten people um, experience it and acknowledge it, it really it isn't something. So, you know, I'm not Absolutely. sure, you know, how long it's I've heard all kinds of stories about the government uh, suppressing it so it wouldn't, you know, get around the news. But I'm not quite sure we would have done anything, you know, differently about it. And if we found out that early and there really wasn't so many cases, would we have treated it, you know, a- any differently than we did now and waited till, uh, you know, April, March or April to do it, you know. Um, okay. So you don't know. But I, I do think it was around. And um, I don't think that anybody maliciously – tries to, and I don't know, but, you know, I don't know if anybody's trying to hide something as much as why isn't it just the flu? You know, why isn't it just the flu um, back in November? And, and, and so obviously it evolved into something else, but I do think it's been around and, and, and for a bit. Okay. Right. Talk to me about how has you and your family handled this? And I ask that because, you know, we see the stay at home and, um, I've seen a lot of videos on Facebook and YouTube of families kind of figuring out what to do. They're making videos, you know, parents are homeschooling, going crazy after day two. And, you know, it's one thing I know people love to be at home because that's your, that's your, your, your playground. This is the best place you love to be. However, when you can't leave out the house, that's a whole other ball game. So how have you and your family handled the pandemic? Um, well, you know, it's, Again, I said this last time, and I say this to a lot of people. I know it sounds kind of mushy, but I just see it as a selfish blessing for myself. I've been able to be with my daughters an extended period of time that I never would have had with them. And I said to them uh, when this started, I said, you know, this will be the uh, the longest period of time together we are for the rest of our lives because they're, you know, it's 19 and 21 right now. Um, so I look at every day, and no matter what I have to do or be quarantining them with them, if it, even if it was in a, a large cardboard box, I try to make the best of it. So, But our daily life, a lot of my daughter's lives were dictated because their universities had to get up with Zoom programs to finish their their collegiate years in school. So um, their their life was really taken over by Zoom classes, meetings, um as a family, we still try to get out individually every day to work out. Like I will run every morning individually. Um, we'll still walk the dog. Our patterns really haven't changed that much other than having our kids here because we love to cook. So, you know, some of the patterns that change are planning differently of going to the grocery store. How long is the line going to be? What, what foods are they going to have there? And then we slowly got in the system how to do that. But I, I, I think it's, Obviously, you can make all kinds of claims that this was the worst times, the best times, but I truly don't see, and and fortunately, so far, knock on wood, I haven't anybody directly really affected uh, with the illness, though I've had people, friends, family, and I know it's terrible, but I've seen nothing but positive positive things out of it. It's made my family closer, of course. Um, You know, it's taught me more about the world and about people's common sense. I don't think any of us could ever, ever expect in our generations here that the world would shut down the way it did 
from businesses to the food supply chains to universities. I mean, even if you talked about that stuff, you would say it's not possible for that stuff to happen. But it happened to us in America within a 30 to 45-day period to where it changed everybody's life. Um, and, you know, and so our, dic- our, our daily events were really dictated by what was the best thing to do, what was more common sense. We've never been extreme to where we've locked ourselves in. We've always got out individually and protected ourselves health-wise to work out. I'm a firm believer that if you don't do some type of physical activity every day, you will start to rot. And that's proven because, you know, your, your, your brain releases all kinds of chemicals when you work out in your body and all that kind of stuff. So we've kept a routine that we, I think, we're good, we're balanced. Um, and together, do we get it on each other's nerves? Absolutely. Um, <laughs> no. So, but I, I think that we've really adapted based on what we're supposed to do. You know, I told you before, okay. I've been married to my wife going up 30 years and, um, you know, she, she has her profession as well, that she, she's a physician and in her particular line of medicine, she wasn't, her practice was not open. And so she's been around every day and we've been together every day and um, every day is not perfect. Like I said, she gets sick and tired of me and, and, uh, (laughs) you know, right back at her sometimes, but uh, I'm sure everybody's going through that. But I think if you understand, if you think about it, you know, that if you have isolated time to be with these people that you normally would let life get in between you and that person, um, it's, it's pretty pathetic if you don't take advantage of that, you know, it's like having a loved one you love and then you don't pay attention to them or you don't call them enough or you don't visit them enough. And then they unfortunately pass away and then you're kicking yourself, you know, um, mm-hmm. I don't do that. I take every morning and no matter how old my girls are or how late they might sleep, I'm hugging them and kissing them. I'm sending them texts. I'm sending them weather reports. The same with my wife. I, there's not a day that goes by that I appreciate having them with me. Now, what's with the weather reports? You said, <laughs> why are you sending them weather reports? <laughs> Every day, because I like to feel close to my daughter. So when they're away at school, I will pull the weather reports for every day for for the colleges are in in Chicago, and everybody gets the weather report in the morning. It tells you, you know, it tells you what the weather is going to be, and I always add some type of inspirational line in there. It's been easier for me now because I only have to do the Chicago report. So after I get done working out and walking to the dog in the morning, I have to send a nice weather report. Here's what the weather's going to be. And, you know, get your asses out of bed and let's make something special this day. So every morning they get oh, that. And, um, I'm sure it's an annoying to have them, but uh, I send it every morning. And if, when I don't send it, I, I feel real bad, you know, especially when they're at school because it gives me a connection to them, you know. If I Absolutely. know what the weather is there and I know what they're experiencing there, I can kind of be a little part of me can be there with them. So, you know, when they were Absolutely. pulled out of college, I sent them their weather reports from their states and they were there at home because it was so sad that they had to pick up and leave. So, how amazing! <laughs> all right, all right. Yeah, you took me to a whole another place with that one. All right. Well, here's my next question for you, Randy. Is there life after the pandemic? And let me explain what I mean. With so many people losing jobs and businesses shutting down, people going through financial catastrophes, people dying, is there hope? Is there life after the pandemic? If so, what is it that you see? 
Well, you know, any through any crisis, you know, one thing there always will be is hope. And, you know, that relates to even the incarcerated. Um, I, I think when you're given a sentence by the judge, no matter what time you're given and how many days or how many years, what comes along with that is the gavel comes with hope. So when that happens, you know, anybody who's been through that process and that, that uh, sentencing comes down and the devil comes down, uh, the first thing you're doing as a person that's about to walk into the system is you're starting to add up your years and your good time and everything else. But uh, what you're really adding up is, okay, where's that day of hope I'm working for to get out? So I think any crisis, any crisis always has hope in it. And I think crises are given to us um as a as, as a group of humanity to to make us better help the world is definitely going to change i mean as soon as this started my one of my mantras was there's going to be a bunch of change i just want to be on the right side of change whether that's with business or my personal life or whatever it may be i think that anybody that is going to refuse to say that life is not going to change is is being a little bit uh um uh, immature and naive. You know, when I was, when my wife was pregnant with my first daughter, I was still a workaholic as I am now. And I just told everybody, my life's not going to change. My life's not going to change. This baby's not going to change me. And when that blessing came into my life and my daughter came to be, I changed uh, 360 degrees. And you change for the better of that. And I think that there's all this better change that we can have. Now, people are going to be unemployed and businesses are not going to reopen. The commercial real estate market is going to be a disaster. The retail market is going to be a disaster. These are all things because you're going to have to have social distancing. You're going to have all these new rules and things, but we're going to adapt. And we have the equipment and we have the tools we need to adapt. The difference is going to be is are you going to be able to adapt. It's all about the attitude, common sense, and using your mind. You know, the mind, again, is your main muscle, your main tool to deal with all this. Your mind is going to get you through it. Your mind is going to put you in depression. Depending on how you work your mind is what you're going to get out of this. And it's the same exact thing when you get incarcerated. When you get incarcerated and you go through that first stage of beatdown for what, how many days it is in SAG or whatever, they can't take your mind away from you, and your mind can keep you positive. Your mind can keep you hope. Your mind can do everything. And in fact, when you make it out of those systems, your positive mental attitude, how you treat your mind, is how you end up on the other side. And that's the same way. We're going to see people that don't come out of this crisis very well. We're going to see people that want to bitch and moan about it and cry about it, complain about it, and this isn't fair. And what does everybody like to do in a crisis? They like to try and find someone else to blame, right? If the United mm-hmm. States is trying to go out and sue a countries now for causing these issues, okay? But what I, I think what should be focused on is, okay, what is the change in front of us? What's that positive change, and how can I see that make a, a plus in my life or someone else's life, okay? And, and, and really, I think that if you, if you say nothing's going to change, uh, you're, you're being really naive about it. I mean, everything's changing. Our banking's changing. Again, our everything's changing in this. And, it's probably fast-forwarded some industries um, 10, 15 years down the road. I mean, we all know that people used to work from home. It was a big thing, you know, even five, ten years ago. But now, if I have a company with 50 people 
and I've got 45 of them working from home and their productivity is 90% as usual, why do I have them come back to the office? Why do I need that office space? So, you know, there's all these changes. When the retail stores open back up, TJ Maxx and, and all these other places that people love to go to, how are they going to um, – how are people going to pay their bills? Now, everybody got a stimulus check, supposedly. Some people got it. Some people didn't get it. But what do you do with that money? Are you going to get another one? Are you going to go on employment? Um, there's this whole entire world has changed. I don't think there's any sector of the world, business or just regular life, that, that hasn't changed. And, you know, I, I got to tell you what, I, I'm so, so sorry for anybody who's lost their lives or lost a loved one have gone through a very, very, very difficult time with this, but I think this cleansing out of the world and um, changing things will be for the better. And, you know, I hate, it's like anything else. It's like when I came out of prison, I came out better. And, boy, I hate to say I had to go to prison to do that, but I did. Um, and it's the same thing here. When we change the world, and maybe we start becoming more conscious of things that we should pay attention to. Maybe it's loved ones, maybe it's the environment, whatever it may be. Um, how unfortunate we have to go through this crisis and suffer through those deaths. I mean, I think it's in Italy somewhere where there's, there's some river or something that is crystal clear right now. You can see to the bottom of it. You can see the fish that they've never seen before. You can see, you know, other things living in the water that you could never see. It's like a clear glass of water. I mean, what were we doing so bad that would pollute that stuff so bad? So there's all this good stuff coming out of it. And, again, it's like going to prison, you know. I never would trade my experience of going to prison, ever, ever, because of what I gained from coming out of it. And I hope that we can say this, the, the same as a group of humans, that we came out of this, and, boy, was it crummy going through it and scary going through it. But look where we ended up. And, again, it's that faith. You're walking down a dark, a dark hallway. We're being led down there. You can't question it. You just got to say, I got to keep moving forward. I got to use common sense. I got to believe. And, and, and pretty soon you get to that next point, you open the door, and there's just, just sunlight and rainbows. So uh, I, I think we'll come out of it, and, and, but we have to change. And, and, you know, maybe this is a portion of, of, you know, the world just saying, you guys aren't changing fast to survive for a long period of time, the way you guys are abusing things, whether it's your bodies, whether it's your, your relationships, whether it's your world, who knows, you know? So I, I truly believe we're going to come out better for it. Um, but it's going to be hard for some people. I, I don't know how the world feels they can shut down an economy and everybody can keep going. Uh, to give you an example, I, like I said, I live in downtown Chicago and in every block there's, there's somebody panhandling or asking for money or somebody in not a good state. So the millions and millions of people that come to Chicago every day that pass this person, they give them a nickel, give them a dime, give them a sandwich, or give them a pop. I had a conversation the other day with a young lady who sits at the same place every day from noon till 3 o'clock, homeless. And imagine now not being able to have the opportunity to have 100,000 100, people pass her every day and give her something. I mean, it is affecting everybody. And what people, what do people like that do who are already at the bottom, you know? Um, it, it's just, it's going to be difficult, but it has to absolutely have to evolve. You have to change, whether it's at a hum, as a human, in, in a relationship, 
or in a society. So I, I think as, as, as hard as it is, it's going to be for the better. Absolutely. And we have to move forward. You know, we have to be smarter. We have to get better. And you were mentioning um, Italy. That's actually the, the real story behind Venice's newly crystal clear canals. And I actually just looked it up. And what someone actually said um, looked like on, on Twitter, Venice hasn't looked Venice hasn't seen clear canal water in a very long time. Dolphins are showing up. Nature just hit yeah. the reset button on us. And um, and that's what life yeah. is about sometimes. We have to start over and we have to move on. And when you talked about, like, the catastrophe and the deaths and over 80, 84, 85, 86,000 people actually died um, from this, um, yeah, a lot has happened, and it's not going to be easy. However, it's definitely necessary, and we have to get better and get stronger. So absolutely, there definitely is life after the pandemic. When life happens to us, we can't just lay down and just think about all the horrible things that happened. We have to get up and move forward. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. I, I love those different analogies that you use. I have two more questions for you, and then we're just going to kind of open up as we close out today talking about life after the pandemic. You mentioned about being in prison. I know we actually talked last week um, about that and kind of about your experience. So what are your thoughts on how prisons in Illinois have handled the pandemic? Um, This is kind of a two-part question. Also, with so many prisoners being released, do you think it was the right thing to do by letting them go to keep them from possibly being exposed? So what are your thoughts? If you've been following, like, prison reform at all, um, in Illinois or in any state, when just hearing about or reading about prisoners being released because of the pandemic, and do you think it was the right thing to do? Well, I, I, I um, opinionize with prisons from going through the process is that um, they're they're broken. I mean, they're broken businesses. They're understaffed. Uh, they're undersupplied. There's no resources. Uh, there's not enough people to keep track. There's not enough, you know. Oddly enough, it's funny because when you're in prison, you know, taking care of yourself in your own cell and things like that, it's it's an impeccably clean place. So it's not so much of that. I just don't think there's the resources to keep something like that contained, and especially when people are – it's not fair for an inmate. It's inhumane for an inmate to lock everybody down, which it would have been their other option. So I'm not quite sure that a lot of these prisons could have continued with some of the overpopulation or – max population and and not done something about it because um, you would have had massive deaths and then you would have had bigger problems and losses and things like that. So I definitely think it was a good move. Um, You know, I also know, as you know, as the public probably knows, is that there's many people that are incarcerated for um, things that really they shouldn't be incarcerated for. They should be under some type of supervised release or some type of parole or some type of monitoring, and and those come with pro, you know anything that's a nonviolent crime or not a crime against children or things like that. Everybody should be evaluated for some type of release. I believe with nonviolent crimes, to incarcerate them in a process or a system that's broken like it is, at least in Illinois, um, it's terrible because it's just a waste of their time. There's so much more productivity they can do being back in society, even if you pointed them in a better or right direction. So um, I I think it was a a good idea to evaluate to release prisoners. Um, I think it was a miracle for some of them. 
you talk about, you know, how am I going to get out of here? How am I going to get out of here? I got five years ago or whatever. And something like this comes along. I can only imagine what the prisoners were saying that were incarcerated. You know, when I was incarcerated, the big thing was there wasn't good time in Illinois and everybody thought there was good time in Illinois, but there wasn't. So, um, every day there was some type of news leak of good time coming and it never came, but that was the talk of it. I can only imagine the gossip and everything that went through the the prison systems when, when this uh, pandemic came down. And uh, I think people got a huge blessing to be able to get out and be with their loved ones. But also I think that when there's such a, a, a huge pandemic and it's worldwide, and you have the ability to be back with your loved ones, and maybe some families were given their anchors back. Maybe moms came back to their kids or dads came back to their wives and kids. Uh, there's nothing better to make people feel safer and feel that they're going to make it through something to have all this back together. So I, I think there's a, a huge effect on getting people back, core family. And it kind of puts it in perspective, you know, to where all these people getting locked up for all these these nonviolent crimes and you have a pandemic that enabled the, the, the politicians to say, oh, okay, it's okay to release them. And for so many years, we fought to get low-level prisoners released and stop the senseless incarceration and the separations of families and, and kids without parents. And it took this to do that. And I, I think they should take a whole new look at how they incarcerate, you know. Um, how will they be in society? Um, I would hope that they'll count their blessings and, and, and realize they just got a huge break and that there's no other time in the world that anything like this probably happened within our lifetime that would let them be released from prison without doing a portion or more of their time. So, and I, I don't know the details of how people are being monitored when they get out, but I would imagine because how it happened so quickly, it can't be so advanced. Um, you know, in Illinois, they do have a system set up for call-ins or ankle monitoring, things like that. So I'm sure that's going on. But And I'm sure there's going to be people out there that do the wrong things. Um, you know, if, if you're incarcerated and you were an addict when you went in, you're probably going to continue to be an addict when you're in there unless your mind has gotten in, in, in the right direction because there's plenty of substances to get in in prison that you can continue to be an addict and come out and be an addict, you know. Um, So there's going to be a portion of people that are released that you're going to start hearing stories on or examples are made of people of why would you send those wild beasts back to our society to to rob, kill, and whatever they're going to do. So I hope those stories don't come about, but you and I both know they will. Um, I think that for the most part, you're probably going to see you know, crime has been terribly, terribly low in Chicago and in Illinois, which is great, but it's because of the limitations they do. Um, in some of the worst neighborhoods in Chicago, because of overpopulation and under support and under service, there's some neighborhoods on the west side where there's a police officers that will sit at the end of a block and you are not allowed in that block unless you live there. So that's how they're running some of the more active blocks that are more active with drug trade or whatever it may be. So they're knocking a lot of this down, and I think it's going to save a lot of people's lives. So if I'm the only, if I if I can only go on that block if I have an ID to go there, 
that changes a lot of things in some of the rougher neighborhoods in Chicago. So, you know, when when you come out of prison, a lot of people say, you know, it's the people, places, and things that you do that keep you out or get you back in there. And if you're being restricted a little bit more because the people you can see, the places you can go, and the things that you do, then you're going to have a better chance to get out. So um, I think it's a huge blessing. I think it'll bring a, a, a real nice microscope to the whole incarceration thing and when we release people and how we release people. I mean, when I got released from prison, I had to get a home check. Um, what kind of dog do I have? Who are the people living at your house? Where are you going to work? Let's, let's vet this, let's vet this. I mean, it was a huge process, months and months. You have to start that process. When you go into prison, you have to do your home site and this site. And a lot of these prisoners got released in less than 30 days. So I'm not quite sure how they did that. Does that mean they did it in a sloppy way, or does that mean the old way was just ridiculous? You want to know what kind of dog I have to go back to my house? And I understand some dogs are bred for certain things, so come on, please. It probably took them three weeks to get to my house to figure out that my dog was an okay to dog to have, you know. So maybe it will change things a little better. I think society, I, I don't think society is, is going to suffer from having that group of inmates put back in population sooner than we're supposed to be. You know what I mean? I think the thing you have to think about is that there's groups of people still in prison that are still in prison. And I know that there's some facilities probably on lockdown for certain reasons. And I got to tell you what, man, I mean, being locked down in yourself for 23 and one or 24 or 22 and two, I mean, it's, it's not good. It's unfair. So I don't know what's going on while they're still going there. You probably know about that because you're more in and out of the prisons, but I think it was a good thing that they released them. But I do think politically they probably did it because they didn't want the lawsuit. They're not doing it because they have such a big heart all of a sudden and or they got smart and smart and ran a better prison system. They did it because they're worried about 52 inmates at that facility filing lawsuits and losing. So, you know, better just let them out, right? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. That definitely makes sense. And here's one of the, the last things I want to ask you, and then we'll talk about different tips and things to do to be proactive. So this question is, in your opinion, I know – we all hear so many different things. Anytime you're on Facebook and social media, people are going to give their opinion about what they think this is, what this isn't. Um, I had received an email probably in the beginning that had there's this book and somebody predicted this back in 1985 that the pandemic was going to come and this is going to happen. And then it was just going to disappear in the middle of the night and it was going to come back in 10 years. Um, I know we've heard all types of different things. So with that being said, in your opinion, Randy, if this was to happen all over again in one year, five years, ten years from now, from what you've experienced now and people that you love, what are some of the things you're thinking about that would be helpful to do to be proactive? Because, unfortunately, a lot of times people just react to certain situations. So what could we do, in your opinion, um, as steps in being proactive, the safeguard from being, quote, unquote, down bad like we were when this happened um, a few weeks ago? Right. So I think the first thing is is when it rehappens, I think people understand it a little more from the first time. So for, like, example, in Chicago, when the first three or four weeks there were people still partying hard during bars and, and, and St. Patrick's Day and things like that, 
I think they'll be in a different phase right out of the gate. So they won't go through that proving phase of, well, this really isn't serious. I'm still going to go out and party or still have dinner. I think people will go from, you know, a, a yellow level of heightened emergency to right to that red zone right away and skip everything in between. And I think that's good. Um, I, I think we have to rely on science here. Um, you know, I live with a physician, and so I do know that science is a wonderful thing. We have tremendous amount of, of, of medical professionals in our world, um, and we have tremendous, you know, institutions that are developing things. Um, I, th- I, I do think we'll get a handle on it. Um, I think that it, it will reoccur, um, but I think that we'll go into that precaution stage, you know what I mean? Um, I, I don't think that anything will be the same ever. I think everybody will approach it properly. You'll take more, you know, before this happened, I mean, you go to some other countries, they're always wearing masks. They're wearing masks because of smog mm-hmm. or whatever they want to do. So, you know, this is new to us, so that's their norm out there. So it becomes our new norm, you know. Um, social distancing and things like that, you know, will all happen. What will I do with my family? I mean, I, I hope what doesn't happen is I, I hope that – I always say this about my kids because they're so dear to me is that they go to college not only to get an education and degree, but they go to college for those experiences. The experiences through high school and grammar through college, if I tell my kids, those experiences are really what make you who you are, you know, as you go through life. It, you know, the book stuff is good. Don't get me wrong. You'll use it. It'll come in handy. But the experiences are what really – are the things that get you so in in depth with the knowledge and understanding life and people and emotions and understanding your heart and understanding your head. This is taking experiences away from us, you know, and that's the sad thing is that I would hate to ever have to think my kids were going to complete their college or any other studies they're going to do on a computer and not in a classroom with a person and not experiencing you know, a Friday night out with their friends or not experience another track meet or another school trip or or any of us experiencing those things, you know, and not going to a conference. And conferences aren't just about going there and learning things. They're about that experience, you know. And I think that's what this is taken away from us a little bit. So I would really, really, really hate to think of a day that we couldn't have those experiences firsthand, face-to-face, and they'd all have to be through Zoom or remote. And I don't think we'll ever be there but I hope we can adapt quick enough to where it doesn't damage the rest of the things. I mean, again, I've got kids this age, so but think of your 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 eighth grader going into high school, your high schooler going to college, your college graduating. Every one of those people have reached this milestone and this experience, and the experience of that graduation, being there, the hat and gown, you know, the grandma you haven't seen in six years, the high fives, the all that bittersweet stuff. That's such a huge experience into making the transition into your next step when you leave your friends in this step and go to a next step. It's like this, 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 this passage that you go through that nobody has had the ability to have. So uh, we're all going to survive. Um, we'll be more cautious. I hope we're, we're more gentle on each other. I hope we're more gentle on the earth. Um, but I just hope our experiences can come back to an extent to where we can, we can feel and we can taste them. We can see them, you know, we can touch them. So, I, I truly hope, I think that'll happen, you know, because Absolutely. we're not done with crisis this time. Uh, this Absolutely. is a crisis. And so when AIDS came out, you know, it was, it was the worst thing in the world. People didn't want to touch people, talk to people who had, mm-hmm. who were HIV positive. They didn't want to do anything with these people. 
and look where we've, we've evolved to it. You know, it's not spoken about anymore. There's not the stigma to it on a person anymore. And not that it's exactly the same illness or crisis, but it kind of it kind of is in a way. You know, we'll 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 mature through it, and we'll learn how to handle it. And you know, next time we'll know better. You know, you can't when you go through something for the first time, you 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 can't expect to have all the answers. You know, and we may not have all the answers the second time, but every doctor that I listen to, they they're saying that it'll reoccur. Uh, they're saying that uh, vaccinations may not even help with it. So, you know, the good news of it is that the very, very young aren't, aren't, aren't really affected by it that much. The next generation, a little bit older, aren't. You know, it's the older people that are more affected by it. And it tells me is getting to be an older person, i got to be on my game. I can't be sick. i got to stay healthy. I can't expect to not be affected by negative things like this if I don't take care of my body and my mind. So, um, I think it, it hopefully it gives everybody a kick in the ass and says, you know, get get your shit together. Okay. That that definitely makes sense. And just really thinking about the stuff that you say with the the different times we had catastrophes happen. I was thinking about nine eleven. We can't live in fear. We have to live. We cannot live in fear. We have to be proactive. We have to stay vigilant and definitely we cannot live in fear. And really just preparing, you know, one thing when you talk about different things that happen, jobs, businesses, I'm pretty sure everybody's getting their plan in place. The school system has been hit in so many different ways with not being able to go to school, having to do homeschool, like you said, setting up Zoom, even thinking about kids in second and third grade, like it's been a, a change for everyone. And I'm pretty sure just like back in the day when we were in school, we had those plans for when the hurricane came, we did this, we went now this hallway. We didn't have this plan in place for when the world had a pandemic. However, all businesses and professionals and people are going to put these things in place, and we have to do the same thing personally as well as professionally to make sure if and when this happens again, we're not going to be, quote, unquote, down bad. You know, when it comes to personal, when it comes to banking, when it comes to having certain things in our house, when it comes to having important documents, you know, making sure our assets are protected, when it comes to insurance coverages, and so on and so forth. Because even like with people that have died, I'm not really sure about where you live, um, Randy, but I know several people have had death in their families, and there hasn't even been funerals. Like, people have just kind of been pushed yeah. to the side. Have you seen or heard anything like that with, with people that have died, like, in your in your state? What yeah. kind of and funeral they, situation? They put, off, they put off funerals. They I, I see, you know, funerals that, you know, I think they're starting to let them go a little bit under new type of uh, ways to do them. But, again, there there's a beautiful and, – and, listen, a funeral is not a beautiful thing, but the ability to go to get together with family and mourn together – uh, that's another experience that is a healing experience that these people miss. I mean, can you imagine having a loved one pass during this time and just saying, oh, okay, that's fine. Let's just send the body off and, and never have it. So, yeah, it's it's terrible. And I know they're trying to adjust that, and there's been some, some police officers some firemen and some healthcare workers died that they've tried to do special things with, but it, it's not normal. You know, they just do pass by with cars and things like that. So, it is absolutely, you know, you know, a new normal. We say that, and it's beat up as far as, a, you know, a cliche, but it's absolutely a new normal. And if you can't accept there's going to be a new normal, then you're going to struggle more than you need to struggle with this. Absolutely. And guess what? Life is about change, and sometimes change is small. Sometimes change is amazing. Can you think about how 
I guess, 20 years ago with like cell phones when they first hit the industry. And, you know, we had these big old phones, and then they kind of changed over time. Regardless of how small or minute it is, life is about change from 8-track tapes to DVDs to CDs to now just um, satellite television, radio. Life is about change. And this is a big one. This is a really, really big one. But we're built for it, and we have to definitely be ready to continue to move forward. And one thing also that you mentioned about family and your, your daughters, and I know they probably sometimes they get sick of you, but guess what? They to hear the different things that you're doing, it's really amazing. And that you've been doing this, sending them the weather, the daily motivation. This also is a time for families to come together. And think about everyone that's listening. Think about some of those things that Randy's doing with his children because that's what's important, letting people know that you love them, that you care through action, and that speaks much, much louder than words. We're almost out of time, Randy. So as we get ready to close today, I really appreciate you being so open, being so enthusiastic and sharing what you shared. Is there any final thoughts, um, anything that's on your mind that you want to share as we get ready to close out today? Well, I, I think the one thing that's interesting that we kind of maybe don't talk about all the time is that because this is a worldwide pandemic, it really it really kind of lets us, we're all in it together, you know. It doesn't make one country better than another or one race better than another. I mean, this is something we're all affected with, and it's something that uh, is a nice feeling that, you know, we're all human beings. And, and uh, it doesn't matter, again, race, ethnic background, economic background, um, and we have to realize that, you know, we're all human beings, and I learned that when I went to prison, you know. I was worth so much money before I went in, but when I was there, I was I was I was in the stall next to a guy that had nothing. And we're all in this together, and you need to respect one another, and maybe we can come off this a little bit better. Absolutely. And with that being said, I can't even add anything to that. Randy, thank you so much for your time. I'm looking forward to doing this all over again with you next week. The topic will be announced later. I hope that you have a wonderful weekend. Stay safe, continue practicing social distancing, and let's continue to work together so we can help another person. Until the next time, have a good day, TGIS, and God bless.